0: This is your field as our office. I'm Field the Grounders for South Central Minnesota, Jay Zilski, and folks. How do you like that new intro music? We thought we'd jazz it up a little bit, and that's that's thanks to our producer. I'm going to call Ashley. I'm going to call you the producer, wow. and my. Uh, fellow field agronomist to the east, Ashley Storby. How are you doing this morning, Ashley?
1: I am so good, Jay. I am excited for the new music. This is all Jay's idea, Um, and I I think it's a great idea. And it's new music coming into a new season, coming into harvest. It, It feels very appropriate to make the change right now. And I'm really good. I walked out to let our chickens out this morning before we're recording now early on a Tuesday morning, and I noticed I had some frost on the roof, it didn't get quite down to freezing last night, but enough to to show us that the nights are going to get a little cooler here. How are you, Jay?
0: Ashley, I'm I'm doing great, and you know that's the thing I noticed this morning. It's pretty chilly, and you know, a person's got a problem when during the summer they wake up in the night and they take screenshots of the radar, and now this time of year. You wake up really early in the morning and and you take a screenshot to save what the low temps are across the area. And, uh, you know, there's some places where uh, it dipped into the upper 30s and uh, it sounds like perhaps uh, tomorrow morning, uh, we're recording this on the 27th of September, so it could be tomorrow morning. They're talking maybe a greater risk of frost. And, you know, that's prompted a number of questions from farmers in, in my area. Ashley, and you know what what I'm tending to see out there is uh, you know, we we've have corn out there, probably the stuff that was planted later and perhaps some fullest uh, season maturities are about that half milk line stage, a lot of corn. If it's not black layer, it's about three-quarter milk line stage. And so, you know, been fielding a number of calls from people wondering, okay, so what's that going to have as far as an impact on yield? And then they also usually follow that up with, with test weight questions as well. And, you know, for me, you know, at that at that half milk line stage, you know, I always figure there's potentially, if it kills the plant outright, maybe a 12 to 15% at most reduction in yield, you get to three quarter milk line, it's about five to 6%. That's the resources that I've seen. And, you know, additionally, it seems to me, my observations over the years Quite frequently, the, this first little touch of frost maybe won't kill uh, a corn plant or soybean plant um, outright. It all depends. The closer it is to maturity or the more stress it's under, it doesn't take much to knock it over. can kind of knock it knock it over with a feather if it's really under a lot of stress. And I think we've got some fields that are like that, Ashley, in, in my area. Generally, though, I think we're far enough along that I wouldn't expect a major impact as far as test weights. Um, we'll have to wait and see. You know, the good thing is we got some nice drying weather. Now that we get this out of the way, it looks like we got some nice drying weather in the forecast. I'm kind of monopolizing the conversation here about crop maturity, Ashley, but tell me what you're seeing in in your area as far as how far along that corn crop is.
1: I would echo very much the same progress. A lot of a lot of corn either black layered or just that light black layer, a brown layer. On our normal maturity, uh, early planting date hybrids, and then yesterday I was walking a corn plot, um, in New Richland that was planted on May 14th. We've got our 98 to 106 day there, and the 106 day or 0622 at that May 14th planting date was grass green, beautiful, and still had just a little bit to go to get to a milk line, wasn't, or to get to a black layer, wasn't showing that brown layer yet but really close like two tenths of the way to go. Um, And then as we worked our way earlier in the plot started getting into the 104 days and earlier um, there were numerous black layer high you know maturities as we got 104 and earlier. So that was good to see and then I did have the pleasure of walking a pre-commercial plot yesterday as well um, over by just west of New Richland what we call our impact plots and that plot happened to have some pretty late maturities in there, went down to 113 day. And those need I, I'd like a little bit of more time on those. Um that that particular maturity in that location was about half milk line. Um, but the positive Jay, there's a positive is as we've been hearing a little bit of progress um cutting beans. There's been again the feedback that that there's been some some tough, tough beans. Um and so a, a frost, that'll help us out on that, won't it, Jay?
0: I think so, actually. I always think that this morning as well as I was looking at those temperatures. It's like, well, at least we're not going to hear comments about how tough the beans are to combine this year, all the green stems like we had last year.
1: So <laughs>
0: that is the, the uh, what do you want to say, the, the silver lining of this uh, frost at this particular date. Uh, as well and so I think you know your comments are very interesting Ashley you commented on some of those fuller season products I think you said maybe 110 113 day maybe need a little more time you know the good thing is if they happen to shut down as we look at our lineup in that maturity uh, products like 0953 AM you look at 1185 products that have some awfully good test weight and grain quality so, you know, I, I think maybe any impact there will be, well, there's still the impact, but my point is that we're already starting with a product that has some pretty decent test weight to begin with. So um, that's, uh, that's good to hear, Ashley. And I think it's interesting when you consider the start that we got off to this spring in portions of the area where there were some delays and a lot of concerns about whether or not, you know, we are going to get this crop to maturity or even close and, you know, things we talked about. And things we've heard from other agronomists, as far as hybrids adjusting to delays in planting, as far as needing fewer heat units to get to maturity, really, it's kind of bearing itself out. Uh, I keep thinking over the years the number of times where I've been making projections on you know how much time we needed before killing frost, and it's amazing how oftentimes it's you know we need to get to at least the 25th to to 29th to at least get close, and that's figuring usually our average first frost date historically has been in and around that first week of October. So, um, you know, uh, Ashley, appreciate your, uh, your comments. And, you know, for those of you that are, are regular listeners, I'm uh, going to try something a little bit different during harvest rather than having kind of a, a main topic, um, uh, and, and a guest. And we may have some guests here throughout harvest as well. I we thought, you know what, it might be good just to provide a, a good kind of weekly harvest update, um, our, our intent is for the, for the show to be a little bit shorter, maybe 10, 15 minutes. We'll have to see. I'm already looking at my clock. You're already seven minutes in. So we'll have to see how that works out. But Ashley, uh, you know, it's interesting. We're in, kind of sound like a broken record here. But, you know, for a number of weeks here, we've talked about Tar Spot. And last show, we had just been, that was, I think that's close to three weeks ago. We had just been on our tour. Uh, Southeast Minnesota with our colleagues came back and think, well, geez, boy, I really feel for those guys. They really have a lot of problems that they um, you know, good thing they're that far away from us. And yet I've been seeing some things since then, and you've been seeing some things as well, Ashley. So maybe you can share you know, your observations, um, regarding tar spot, you know, closer to, to home here in South central Minnesota.
1: Oh, Absolutely. So as you know, after we finished up our, our tour over in Southeast, then one of the activities that we had in the subsequent weeks was our field days, our customer field days, where we bring our customers together, provide some agronomy information. Generally, we have a meal and oftentimes we're right beside a, a plot, a corn plot or a bean plot. And so I had several of those in the last couple of weeks. And... One of the distinct um, pieces of those field days, when we had a corn plot available, was being able to walk the corn plot and inevitably show our customers, our farmers, what tar spot looks like. And the overall response that I got in those field days the last couple of weeks is is a, a large amount of surprise from our customers, from our farmers, about how much tar spot that we are seeing in a given area. And this time of year, you know, our our farmers aren't in the field as much, um, depending on, on their own personal scouting characteristics. But oftentimes, you know, we're getting equipment ready this time of year and, and we've got other things on our mind on the farm. So we're not looking at the crop as much. And so that's been a key takeaway for me in the last couple of weeks is how surprised that that folks were in seeing how much tar had set in just in the last two weeks. And for for me, I, I have been also very surprised at the amount of tar spot, particularly as I get to the east side of my territory is worse and it gradients to the west. But every field that I've walked in in the last week has what I would deem a significant level of tar spot. We'll, we'll have inoculum in the soil far in the residue in the soil far in far greater amounts than we've had in the past, and it it sure is is giving us the impression and showing us that it is building from the east to the west. Um, I have some farms on on my east side that are, are very distinctive differences between VT fungicide applications to a later fungicide application, where I'm I'm building my own confidence that a later fungicide R three milk stage fungicide is one of our best tools to pair with hybrid tolerance. Um, but the other takeaway I would have is just really distinct differences in how respective hybrids are handling the disease. So I'm, I'm buckled in, I'm, I'm fully alert, taking this seriously at this point, you know, it was interesting the past few years to find it and it being a new corn disease. And now, um, you know, I'm eyes wide open going into next year. What are you seeing as you move to the West, Jay?
0: Well, Ashley, before I share that, maybe help folks understand. So, you commented, you know, your east area where you know, in kind of tapering off as you get further west. You know, help help people know, you know, cities and counties. So, uh, listeners are going to get a sense of of what that means. Ashley, oh,
1: absolutely, yeah, good, good call out. So, the the center of my territory is is Oatana, and I moved to the east. Um, get into Dodge Center, Cassin area to the north, into Faribault, um, up into even Red Wing. So that would be my my eastern leg. And then on my south, I I go just a little bit east of Albert Lee. And despite it not being very wide, you know, as I get to my west, then I'm over Wells, um, Waldorf, Wasika, and then I I I move to the northeast. Um, despite that not being a very wide band between, say, Wells and east of Albert Lee, there is a distinction in 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 gradient as you move to from the east to the west. Yeah, things change. Well,
0: and Ashley, you know, in in my area, we don't even need a tar spot bloodhound like you to be able to find, and I'm even finding it now without any problem. <laughs> uh, having said that, I kind of uh, strayed over into your geography a, a week ago, and so I was. Uh, in and around portions of Steele County and in Dodge County, and I was—I had no trouble finding tar spot in any fields, in in that geography whatsoever. I think every field uh, I, I was in had some to a certain degree. Uh, fortunately, um, with the exception of, of one field that I was at down in the uh, the Grand Meadow area, I, I think it came on late enough. Then it's not going to have a significant impact. Um, as we get further to the to the west. Uh, like I said hearing some reports, uh, Waseka County is as well. I have a hunch by the time things are done, we'll see it in Lee Sewer County as well this year. And and for me, um, you know, I'm 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 concerned, but not alarmed. And uh similar as what you said, and then I'll wrap things up here on tar spot, just being the fact that. Okay, now we we're maybe establishing this inoculum base now in our area that we didn't have before, that now with the right set of environmental conditions a year from now, we're going to need to be very watchful. Uh, I I don't think in my area yet it's going to be a key driver yet as far as um, hybrid decisions. But I think as we get further east from some of those fields that I saw, um, it's probably going to be for those people in that area going to be a bigger deal. So Ashley,
1: you know, one thing I, I would like to comment for listeners, if, if they've got some time to peek in a cornfield before we get well into harvest and, and their attention is elsewhere, particularly your later hybrids uh, that are still green, have nice green material, plant material still, it would be nice to take a look and see if you can find our spot. If you can identify it, well, like we've said before, um, you'll see that black lesion. And if you can rub it off, it's probably insect poop or maybe um, a, a mature rust pustule can start to look like that. Um, but one one risk that I would see Jay in in our area, especially as you get to my my east side, you know where it's better established, is our later maturities um, continuing to be a good host for tar spot. As we get down the chute whereas our earlier maturities are already senescing and that brown material is not something that tar spot can reproduce on so that could give us some 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 strange uh, yield experiences if we do continue to see you know as we push half milk line and down on those later maturities unless unless the frost unless the frost does it first
0: that's (laughs) exactly right (laughs) what's going to get there first the frost or the tar spot Mm -hmm. and ashley one of the things i was going to mention is as well is that um even as we get a mature or dead crop you can still find the tar spot lesions on the leaves so just 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 a reminder to to farmers and and so you know maybe they've been combining the field and are kind of wondering and they got to stretch their legs and get off the combine for a minute maybe walk out into that corn and and look on the leaves for those lesions and, and again. Later in the season, you can you can get confused with some um, with, with some uh, fungus that will establish itself. Some black fungus. It's kind of a dusty thing that'll set itself up later in the season here. Um, but I think you uh, know probably be the, the last we mention tar spot for this year and in in, in in on the podcast here until we maybe have uh, talking about plans or hybrid selection for next year. So we'll maybe give it a break here for for a week. But definitely something for folks to be aware of. If you suspect you have some tar spot in your field, um, you know, by all means, let, let your, your pioneer sales rep know we've, we've, uh, trained them well to be able to recognize the disease. And if we happen to be in the area, we can check things out also, uh, before we move on to talk about soybeans, Ashley, um, additional observations you're sharing earlier, uh, Another disease observation had in corn, and it makes it sound like you know all hell's breaking loose in the <laughs> corn, and that's not the case. But us agronomists are inquisitive, and we're always going to look for things.
1: Oh yes, okay. So uh, two things before before that uh, comment, for an optimistic comment, I would like to share that I am very pleased with the stock health that I've observed overall as I walk corn. Seen a little bit of anthracnose, um, it. But nothing really prolific that gives me concern in any given area or hybrid or planting date. So I'm really pleased with the the stock health that we're seeing, um, just in general. So I did though uh, yesterday, as I was looking at one of one of our pre commercial plots uh, over to the north and west of New Richland, I did see what I am quite confident is is Goss's wilt. Now it wasn't a whole lot, but it was at the top of the plant and you saw the, the, the large necrotic uh, lesion with a wavy margin running parallel to the leaf veins with a translucent border that looked as though it was irregular and water soaked with that dusty black in the middle. So I'm I'm pretty confident that it was Goss's woke. Now not being a pathologist and even seeing how humble some pathologists are, plant pathologists in identifying diseases, you know, I I say that with some humility and, and making a bit of an assumption. But I thought that was interesting. It was it was not a lot of gosses, but it was more gosses than I had seen in my area um, previous. And then you know, looking around the rest of my territory, I see a little bit of gray leaf spot, a little bit of northern, uh, some rust, but you know, tar spot certainly the most prolific disease. And then on the for ear molds, very, very few that I've observed thus far in um, the stocks. I just couldn't say enough about how pleased I am with the stock health. Are you seeing any of those over to the West, Jay?
0: Well, Ashley, I think the the interesting thing is your comment about the um, gosses wilt. And and just for, for listeners, as, as a reminder, that is a bacterial disease. It's a bacteria, not a fungal disease. So uh, fungicide applications aren't going to impact it. And, and oftentimes, those bacterial diseases tend to be established themselves after there's some sort of wound or injury to the plant. And so, you know, in all likelihood, maybe you had a touch of hail or a little bit of uh, wind damage. And, you know, that's what you folks get for hogging all the rain this year. <laughs> you know, you're going to get a little bit of storm damage and, and maybe get a little bit of that gas as well establishing itself. Um, itself. You know, as far as stock quality, Ashley, I, I think the we've had quite a bit of stress in the area here. Um, I echo your thoughts as far as uh, anthracnose. Uh, one of the things I, I really noticed yesterday as I was driving through the countryside is we talk about it you know, all year long, we talk about the variability, but it is very interesting where we've been marginal for precipitation, how now these corn fields, you can see there are brown areas and not necessarily sandy pockets, where brown areas of the field, the tops of the plants are already breaking over. Those plants are obviously done. And then you see some green veins yet in the field where there's, where the plants still alive. And so I think that's going to speak to a couple of things. Um, variation in yields and variation in moisture content uh, come harvest especially we see those kind of fields and so we get that killing frost and that that effect's going to be a little bit muted but as farmers are out in the field combining and be thinking about some of that as they see some of those variations and fluctuations in harvest moisture and in yield And, and so far you know probably not enough uh yield reports on corn to make a whole lot of comments but uh you know from from some of the stressful areas um you know i've been hearing 170 180 bushel which for people that were in those areas i think they're coming in better than expected in well over 200 in some of the better areas and so um kind of to uh keep to the theme of trying to make this a relatively brief podcast <laughs> let's transition to actually talk a little bit about beans and i think one of the things that uh, many farmers commented, at least in my area, to me, Ashley, was, geez, you know, these beans aren't really showing us a whole lot of vegetative growth. For some guys, it was their first experience with E3 and less varieties. And, and some of it, I think, has to do with the precipitation. Uh, and yet, by nature, some of them are a little bit shorter. Um, and, and yet, the yield reports I've been hearing in my, my area so far have been encouraging Ashley what have you been seeing on on beans in your area and, and any general comments on uh, soybean yields oh, to share?
1: yes we've been moving pretty darn slow so limited limited information limited harvest progress at this point um here we sit today uh you know tuesday september 27th and yesterday there was a lot of activity just getting Equipment in place and making final preparations, and with the anticipation that that many would begin soybean harvest today or tomorrow. So I think we'll have a lot more information. You know, on our own farm, um, we we started on a headland last night, and and that was encouraging. The beans were just a titch wet, um, but but it was encouraging just to get started, and we'll have a big day today, hopefully. Um, but there are there are some yield reports. We had a report out of uh, near Ellendale, Minnesota of our 18 T91s, um, our 1.8 enlist soybean um, going 72 bushels across the scale. So that was that was a very favorable report. I also heard of a early one variety being harvested um, just north and west of Ellendale yesterday coming in at 74 bushels. So just in general, we're hearing positive early yield reports. I haven't Intercepted a yield report from this limited amount of harvest that's been disappointing. So I'm I'm really hoping we'll continue to see some some good progress. But this is going to be the big week for us, Jay.
0: I agree with you, Ashley. We're going to have a lot of progress this week, and, uh, and I think the thing that's interesting in in my area so far, and and you know I probably should have said this at the beginning of the show. I always get a, a you know apologize to people kind of in advance because they know when, when agronomists start throwing yield numbers around, you know, yield envy sets in. It's like, well, I'm not seeing that in my neighborhood and so on and so on. So, and I hope everybody understands that. Um, and, 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 of course we're not going to report all just the crappiest yields. I mean, we, we are in the seed business and we do sell seed. So we're not going to talk about all the lousiest ones that we happen to come across, but you know, in, in my area um, so far, uh, you know, I, I I've heard, uh, and again, a limited amount, but low 50s, and I've heard some reports up up into the 70s. It'll be very interesting. Those those big numbers are are actually maybe a little bit bigger than I had expected. But we did have portions of my area where we had some some very good rainfall, and and so it, it's going to range like that. And I know there was a, a couple of folks at some of the crop shops and plot nights appreciation events were commenting in really tough areas. You know, they were saying that their bean yields might start with a four. And I have a hard time, you know, uh, that's going back 30 years ago, we used to have 40 some bushel beans. And so I hope we're not gonna see that, but we could very well in some of the most stressed areas, um, whether it be from extremely, maybe wet around the front side of the season where the crop got mudded in and some disease set in, or maybe in some of those really dry areas too, uh, you know, comments today, a couple of interesting anecdotal comments, Ashley, about disease and soybeans. You know, we talked quite a bit about SDS and interestingly enough, when we had um, uh, our, our last guest um, Mark Bernard on uh, was talking about, you know, SDS and the need for uh, seed treatments and the value of seed treatments. So a couple anecdotal observations, later in harvest here we'll probably actually get some hard numbers but but two interesting comments uh one farmer that had um, a couple of fields of of beans that he had harvested um a number of different varieties out there and in from from a from a couple of different brands uh those that he he treated with alivo he 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 was just he was feeling good it wasn't that he didn't see any signs of sds but really felt good uh in One of his other fields, he chose to go with one of the biological products out there that claims to give protection against both SDS and white mold. And he just commented that he got his butt kicked out there from SDS. So I thought that was an interesting observation. No numbers. Okay. These are testimonials, folks. I wish we had hard numbers for you on that. Uh, The other one that was very interesting with a sales rep, and I got to encourage him to do a way wagon check. He had uh, one of our varieties that actually scores well for uh, SDS, and that's the 18A73Es. And he had uh, a, a box that he had treated, full treatment, including allevo, and they couldn't quite finish up the field. And so he put in to finish off the field a couple bags of untreated 18A73Es. And Although there wasn't a huge difference seemingly earlier with SDS, the difference in maturity is striking. It looks as if there was um, maybe, you know, uh, maybe a a couple day difference in maturity rating. So it'll be interesting to see um, how things shake out there. And Ashley, you know, you shared before the show here um something one of your folks is experimenting with that just makes me a little bit nervous but we might as well get it out there and share it with folks because oh. some people may seen some buzz on twitter about it ashley oh. what did one of your guys do
1: do you know how to soybeans it to, is soybean to make make you nervous jay like I, I feel like at this point as experienced as you are you know it's you're 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 weathered in the sense that it would be hard to make you nervous. So this is exciting for me. So I have a customer uh, who is experimenting with desiccation in soybeans. And so I think Jay's hesitation comes from wisdom of that that could go poorly if we do a poor job of it. But in this case, the, the farmer pulled the trigger on the desiccation application fairly late. Um, as opposed to relative to when he could have made that application, so just cutting his eye teeth in this and and trying to get comfortable with the anticipation that he'd like to experiment with some later maturity soybean varieties, um, and be able to capture that yield without having that that large harvest delay. Um, so in this case, I'm I'm pretty interested. I I am intrigued by the concept, and my my intrigue comes for two reasons. One, it would be really fun to play with some later maturities um, in our geography to capture that extra yield. And then two, perhaps as a harvest aid as well, when we're in a situation more so like last year, I don't think this year is going to be as tough as last year where we had just a a whole lot of green stems last year, and and it was really tough combining in some situations. And if a if a later desiccation could help with that, that would be terrific. But um, I I know for for Jay, you know your your hesitation comes from wisdom. So what are your thoughts?
0: It makes me really nervous. I know there's a lot of buzz about it, and uh, <clears throat> interestingly enough. And, uh, you know, th- there's a couple of thoughts. One is getting the timing correct, um, you know, uh, people's ability to be confident in timing. I'm pleased to hear that your guy did it on the later side rather than the early side. I would prefer that. And, and I think the other thing comes down to you are targeting that growth stage how uniform is that field in being at that particular growth stage? And so I think it's going to take some pretty special circumstances. And I always fight, you know, not to be the grumpy old guy that's resistant to progress. Um, But I also am nervous about potential train wrecks, uh, avoiding potential train wrecks with uh, somebody maybe not uh, properly, uh, I, uh, identifying the, the growth stage in their particular field. So that's where my you know, reluctance comes in and, and there's recommendations out there as early as 6.5 R 6.5, which to me makes me a little bit nervous. And I would, I, myself, if, if you wanted to be able to harvest a little bit easier, I I'd be more confident if a person was doing that in the field was uniform where you had, You know, you you were further along and at least had one yellow pod consistently on on a plant out in that field. And, uh, you know, some of my um, concern also stems from uh, a report that I heard, and I don't know where this happened, but it was a secondhand report where a person uh, misheard and made that application of the desiccant at R5.5. rather than R6.5. And I already think I'm a little bit goosey about R6.5. So I'm glad that you have folks like your individual uh, evaluating it. And I think if you look at some of the plot research out there, okay, plot research that's going to be out there is going to be small plots. So it's easy to have a uniform growth stage when you're making that application. So um, not to shoot it down, um you know it's maybe one of those things i don't know do do we say don't try this at home well you know (laughs) experiment experiment on a field And, and really a portion of a field just like we do with any practice is experiment on a portion of a field uh say next year uh we have uh mother nature's desiccant very likely showing up uh tonight or the next few days with that that frost or freeze and so um those that were worried about green stems can maybe get on but uh uh, with harvest uh, this year, um, unimpeded or less impeded than a year ago. So I'll be anxious to hear on that, Ashley. Any any last thoughts before we we close off this uh, quickie um, harvest podcast? We're at a half hour already. So uh, we did a great job of hitting that 10 or 15 minute <laughs> oh uh, time frame, Ashley, but we just got so much to talk about. Hopefully folks will enjoy it. Any Any additional thoughts before I close out the show?
1: Yeah. Just, just one, um, you know, here we're getting into harvest and everyone's really excited to see what the yields are going to be. And just the, you know, the, the annual message of safety of, you know, if the, the big one I like to think about that I remember my dad always telling me growing up was if the person in the piece of equipment can't see you, you can't see them, they can't see you. So I like that one. I like, um, I like trying to wear high vis clothing, no matter what, what role you're in, what, your role is on an operation. Try to wear clothing that makes you visible, and and just um make sure you make it home safe within the night.
0: Ashley, that sounds good, and uh, you know with that I will uh, could couldn't uh, agree more. And especially I think the other thought, just being the the fire risk as well uh, as if if it resumes being kind of kind of dry as it has, and, and you know that's a good tie-in to next week's show. That's so next week um, I can share. Uh, how I darn near started a field on fire, cornfield on fire, a number of years back um, with my vehicle. Uh, we won't share the details now, but then also uh, we will talk some about fall nitrogen applications, the number of people, maybe uh, maybe people returning to anhydrous ammonia driven by uh, some some of the price factors here, we were getting in the month of October, then started having questions about the um, you know temperatures at which we can apply uh, anhydrous ammonia to minimize potential for loss, and then also um, na- nitrogen stabilizers and that type of thing. So um, with that, um, I think I'll I'll wrap things up, um, Ashley and uh, listeners. If you can find me on Twitter at @seedzeek at and Ashley, they can find you at.
1: Ashley Storby.
0: There you go. And so thank you very much for listening. We'll look forward to joining you again next week on this field as your office. Um be safe and stay healthy. Thank you.